Welcome to Outrageous, creating extraordinary experiences with positively outrageous service. This is the show where we explore all the habits and real life stories of people and organizations who deliver positively outrageous service. So come join the service revolution with your hosts, Andrew Zabo and Michael Hoffman. Welcome, and welcome to Outrageous, your weekly podcast and radio show with Michael Hoffman yes, and Andrew Sabo. You know, um, I just did a podcast a little while ago, and they massacred your name, my friend. I think I, I think I pulled it out, though. I think yes, you uh, did. Yeah, yeah. You, I appreciate that because uh, you don't deserve that, buddy. You, yes. re- you really yeah. don't deserve that. The Z is <laughs> the, the Z, Z makes it silent. sound sexy. That's what it is. It makes it sound Sabo. so Sabo. Yeah, All right, so this week we are uh, going to be talking about yet another habit mm-hmm. of the positively outrageous service culture. One of the seven. One of the seven, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've Last few weeks we've talked about enlisting, mm-hmm. uh, hiring the right people. We've mm-hmm. talked about igniting, mm-hmm. which is providing the light yeah. for the revolution. Igniting of the leadership. Yes. Yeah. And then now we need to equip mm-hmm. the... The management, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, especially in a larger organization. I mean, you think about a hospital or a hotel. You know how positively outrageous service looks like in in admitting in a hospital is going to be different to radiology or the pharmacy and so forth. So yeah. really uh, it's point. important to equip the the management. You know, yeah. what, you know, I often think that you know transforming a, a culture to positively outrageous service has has mani- massive benefits, but there are some dangers. There's some pitfalls out there. And especially the larger the organization, I think the biggest pitfall is what I call cultural misalignment. Mm. I mean, you think about it, we're walking through, the, the, the habits walk you through sort of that systematic approach to are you setting up your culture? And, and we've brought on the right people. Yeah. You know, we've taken our leadership and they're all thumbs up. Let's go. We want to be a part of this as well. And, but now it's really about giving us that, uh, the, those things that we need to own our realms because I am part of radiology and I'm not part of admitting they're a very different thing however we all have to work together and so to really think that through is tremendously important yeah it's a big habit it was fascinating I was talking to a hospital president uh, a few weeks ago and uh, he was saying that uh, he wants to uh, potentially bring positively outrageous service into their hospital and uh, basis but first of all I got to get some of my departments talking to each other <laughs> And I said, what? Mm. He said, yeah, we really have two departments. I'm not going to name names, but they were not talking to each <laughs> other. And can you imagine? You, mean you can't even begin to bring a positively outrageous service until you've got people talking to each other. So <laughs> yeah. communication well, is vital. And most people want to set up. I want our culture to be like family. You see that a lot. I know I've seen that a lot over the last couple of decades. Is You know, uh, we've either grown so much. We used to have a family atmosphere. And now it's, you know, how do you make it a larger family? But that word family is forever. Well, families are messy. Yes. You know, Uncle Bill isn't talking <laughs> yeah, to Auntie Mary. Right. Everybody's <laughs> got an Uncle Bill. And I think you know what I'm talking about. You know, I thought it was Aunt Mary's fault. Uh, how, how we communicate with each other uh, is tremendously important because you can't have two faces. Yeah. You can't have one face behind the curtain and one face to the to the client. It just doesn't work that way. That's why I think this is one of the more important habits where there's a lot of a lot of approaches to it and why you really have to get your hands around what are we doing to equip the management level to to work together to be positively outrageous with each other. It's it's a big one. 
Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we've seen in organizations, it's where it's, it's that management is where the bottleneck can sometimes occur. Mm -hmm. Yes, you've got you've ignited, you've uh, you've lit the fire uh, mm -hmm. through through the vision casting that comes from from leadership. Mm -hmm. um, yes, we're we're going to be talking about that uh, next week about how to engage your frontline people because they they like it or not they're they're in the front line so therefore by definition they're going to be interacting uh, with the customers but in the middle there you've got the management and how, how do we you, you want to create this bottleneck so how do we blow open the bottleneck and i think there's a, cu a couple of things you know we talked about or what or, or that we've seen in our experience and and one is you've got to give permission to to that middle management to interpret positively outrageous service in the appropriate manner because uh, just going back to our hospital example like you were saying how positively outrageous service looks like in radiology is going to be very different to admitting or in the pharmacy department so it's important for leadership to give management permission to interpret what positive outrageous service is and how how that's going to look like in in their departments I, I really uh, want to emphasize that uh, that visual that you use because I think it's tremendously important for any organization to really think through because this is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, you have this, you know, that, that hourglass that you say, mm -hmm. and you've got that leadership. And we have a good friend of ours, uh, Tim Durkin, who's a brilliant influencer. And one of the things that he's passed on to us, uh, wherever he got it, I don't know if it came, I'm sure it came from his brilliant brain, was uh, he has a saying that that leadership provides the light. Yes. Management provides the heat. The and heat. it really yes. goes with that visual that you use because leadership is that it gives us the vision, the, the light of where we're going. We're casting the light into the future. And the front line wants to be part of, you know, something that's that's positive. And so we've, we we want to take these concepts and then we've got that bottleneck in the middle. And that's what reality is. Yeah. So the, but from the vision to the reality is, okay, how does this look in my area? And we have a tendency to not do that so well. That's why it becomes that bottleneck. So your, 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 that, that, those words that you use, how do you blow that section up? Because that's where the, that's where the problem is. That's where the bottleneck happens um, is, is everything to an organization. Well, it's so often because those, those, that, that management is so busy in you know, the expression <laughs> that you use. They're in the tornado every day, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, they're just trying to get through the day. Oh, and then I got these problems with, uh, with uh, you know, Jonathan and, and with Brian, and, and, and I'm not even thinking possibly yeah. outrageous I've got to service. deal with the up, and I've got to deal with deal the, the down. down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have to deal with other men. I've got to also interact with other departments. So I've got my peers as well. So up, down, and sideways. They're, they're getting hit uh, three, diff three different ways. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think part of it is, like we talked about, uh, to, to, to open up and for them to provide that heat uh, you've got to give them the, give them permission, and and I think there's th there's three things. One is yes, you've got to cast that vision, but then how does that vision get interpreted uh, in that area? And that then the second thing is you've got to give them the freedom mm. to interpret the vision, um, and give them permission. So it's freedom and permission uh, to to then execute on on the vision. And I, and I think you know was it, wasn't it Jack Welsh who who's once said you know. Um, management doesn't have to have all the answers. Mm. They have to ask the right questions. Mm. So part of management's role is to, in fact, ask the questions. And, and we'll be talking a little bit more about this in, in the next episode. But I think one of the most important questions you can ask is to ask your people. So what, does positive, what are we doing to make positively outrageous service 
um, inculcated into our department. And it applies to every single department, even if you're not interacting with a customer. I think sometimes we forget that because uh, if you have a purchasing department, you know, what does positively outrageous service look like in purchase? Because they're dealing with all kinds of different departments. So how am I serving the other departments? How am I serving my vendors? And then um, HR. I was actually talking to somebody earlier this week about how it was taking so so long, six months to hire somebody, and they're losing people because HR can't get through the paperwork. Well, they're forgetting that their customer, HR's customers, is the other departments. How, how can I deliver positively outrageous service to, to the other departments that I'm there to serve, um, not there to be a, bu- a bureaucracy? Well, you know, I, I have this uh, visual in my head of, of, you know, management's philosophy. I'm a manager. I'm supposed to get things done. You know, I'm, I'm held accountable for my numbers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm receiving the vision from above, but I've also got to get it done with and through others. That's where that heat comes from. That's why I provide the heat as far as uh, that, the, that working relationship with the people who actually do the work. Uh, I, I wrote down the word catalyst when you were talking. Mm-hmm. It's really important, isn't it? That role that, that I don't have to have all the answers. And matter of fact, the greatest gift that I bring in this level in engaging your managers is to get them to be the problem solvers they don't have to have the, they don't have to be the solution but they've mm-hmm. got to be that catalyst for solving the problem and so they're the ones that reach out to the ones that are closest to the situation so management in radiology reaches out to the radiologists and everybody involved in it saying how do we take this to the next level how do we be positively outrageous in this particular department and so they're that catalysts of reaching into the people who are doing it to ask all the right questions to come up with the answers as well as how do we work with each other? How do I work with it at the administration more effectively? I, I, I get that. Don't you get that a lot when you work with organizations? It's always an us versus them. Yes, definitely. And that's, and a, that's, that's, that's a management that's a, piece. That's a management piece. And I think there has been, and I think in the last probably 10, 15 years, a little bit of, of, of a mindset change. And I, I think more and more managers are realizing that they're more coach. They need to be spending 90% of the time really coaching mm. and asking questions, which is a key element of coaching versus managing and telling people what to do. It's not command and control, it's coaching, it's bringing out the best in, in, in people, and which comes back to being that catalyst. You know, mm-hmm. Catalyst and coaching, I, I think that, that is the key, the key action verb, if you like, for a coach, is mm-hmm. to be the catalyst. Like managers have a tendency to drive, coaches have a tendency to pull. Yeah. You know, pull in, pull in, get questions. You know, I like that. I like that. And then the third thing that uh, we've seen uh, work well in organizations is when you start cross-fertilizing ideas. So it's important for uh, department heads to actually be talking to each other because, you know, this idea over, you know, in Department X can be, wow, what, what does that look like in our department? So cross-fertilizing ideas is also uh, a, another good practice uh, within the realm of um, uh, of equipping your your management team mm-hmm. you know I, I, I working with organizations you you, you kind of see the the challenge of that you know we have a tendency to do a lot of blaming you know our, our hands are, are pointing let me tell you where the problem is it ain't me yeah, right. it's always somebody else of course you know I think every father has told their child that one time every time you point a finger at somebody there's usually three pointing back at you <laughs> so uh, uh, but you get a lot of silos I work yes. with organizations where there's you got to break down those silos I got to get my people working together first mainly because we go we when you don't have the right culture there's a lot of self-preservation so I've got to defend mine I've got to defend my budget. I've got to defend the way we're doing it as opposed to having 
having a global interpretation of what this is. And that takes a massive change. That takes work. You know, that takes that, that collaboration of how do you see what's going on from our world? And, and the, the classic example is um, sales versus customer service. Yes. So, you know, a customer service person, which we work with a lot, has a tendency to see sales as people that just kind of jump into a client and say, whatever you wish, you know, I'll say if everything is good. Yes, yes, of course we that. yes. And the customer service people are going, you know, you're making promises we can't keep. And the philosophy of the sales department is customer service is basically just the downer folks that are constantly saying no to everything that our client wants. And that's not really true. No. There's the, the reality is that balance in between. And that communication piece that you're talking about is everything. That is the managers. Those are the people, that, 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 those coaching positions of cross-fertilizing to, to get that how do we help each other be effective is uh, yeah, and, critical. And, and you, you see it in sports teams all the time that they know, yes, my role is different from your role, but we have to work together to score the goal. So what, what do you want us to do this week, Andrew? Well, I, I think the first thing is for um, leaders to, to open, open up, blow up the bottleneck by giving your management uh, mm -hmm. permission mm -hmm. and the freedom to interpret positively outrageous service mm -hmm. um, appropriately in your department. And then for managers to ask the question so, and, and to engage their people. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week too, but, but to engage their people and ask the question, so what can we do to serve another? And that could be, remember, positive outrageous services, not just for customers, it's for your suppliers, it's for the other departments, it's who, who are your customers? And uh, to, to ask that question, what can we do? How can we elevate? Uh, how can we serve more? I mean, I think one of the great examples I, I've seen, and you see it in a, in a, in a marriage too, the, the greatest marriage is not about winning and losing. It's not about me winning and, and her losing or she's winning. You know, well, I'll, I'll just let, let her win. And it's not, and I think the other big mistake is not about compromise. Mm. Great marriages is about who can outserve the other. If you're both serving each other, that can build a great marriage. And I think that, that applies also to business. How can you outserve one another? Yeah. How can you? I, I accept that challenge. I, I hope you accept that challenge this yes. week as well. Go try to be try to be the the one who outserves the other. Not not only will your reputation go through the roof, but I think you'll find that people pick up the banner. Yes, I really think it's infectious. And we, we've talked about that in, in, uh, yes. in other weeks too. Yeah. It's very infectious, yeah. <laughs> tremendously infectious. So let's be infectious this week <laughs> with positively yeah. outrageous service. Yes. And uh, by the way, uh, go to our uh, website. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've actually put together a little summary on the seven habits. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's um, positivelyoutrageousservice.com mm -hmm. forward slash seven habits. That's mm -hmm. with the number seven habits. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we'll, uh, we'll give you just some, just some pointers on how you can think through these seven habits. And, uh, of course, we're always here to help you. Yes. So uh, give us a call, either Michael or Andrew, Andrew. at positivelyoutrageousservice.com. And we'll see you. Next week. Next week. So go be positively outrageous. outrageous.